you've reached the Entertainment Hotline, a chatter podcast. Listen and celebs dial in to chat with Anita Annabelle, chatter.com.au and Media Week's Head of Entertainment. Hi, it's David Pocock and I'm a guest on SBS's Great Australian Walks. I'm actually very excited to interview you, I have to say. Okay. I come from like a rugby union household. So oh, wow. it was like the way that I kind of related to my dad was watching rugby union. So I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, cool. <laughs> so it's a little bit a little bit of an honor, I've got to say. The rugby has been. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. Oh God, don't say that. Look at you now though. Yeah, it's been fun. It's been, it's been a wild ride. So let's talk about the Great Australian Walk. That's such a cool project that Julia Zemiro is doing and she's such a legend. So how did you personally get involved? We got contacted work like ages ago now about whether or not we'd want to do a you know, part of a walk around Canberra or somewhere in Canberra that was iconic. I had some other ideas. Um, but ended up settling on Lake Burley Griffin, given it is sort of central to Canberra's identity and a lot of people use it for, for walking. Yeah. What were the other ideas? I'm a big fan of the Murrumbidgee River. I think it's spectacular. And so it's usually spend a lot, a lot more time down there than, than around the lake, but the lake is you know, very accessible to, a lot of Canberrans and yeah, people do enjoy enjoy walking around it. Yeah, that's so cool. And so during this interview that Julia does with you, you said that Canberra was such a special place to you. And I know that you started out with the Brumbies, um, but can you explain that a little bit more of, of why Canberra is so important to you? I moved here in 2012 to, to join the, the Brumbies rugby team and... You know, having grown up on a farm, it just felt like the best of both worlds. You know, there's a city and, and everything that comes with that, but it's the bush capital and there's a lot of access to nature reserves, Murrumbidgee, uh, Namudgee National Park. I think it's a really special part of the world and, yeah, a real beautiful place to live. Yeah, it is a really, really beautiful part of the world. I mean, I live in Sydney, so it's a very, very, very different, you know, mm-hmm. ball game <laughs> to Canberra. Yeah. And I don't even, I think I've been to Canberra like three times in my life. Is that bad? Oh, no, 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 four, because I went to Questacon when I was in primary school. <laughs> yeah, Canberra is one of the least known capital cities in the world, which it's it's an interesting thing because it's, it's, I think it's got so much to offer, but in many ways, I think Australians don't celebrate it enough. We've got this notion that, you know, Canberra is just where politicians go and it's the Canberra bubble. We have a whole bunch of fly-in, fly-out workers that come here to Parliament House and make decisions, but outside of that, Canberra is a city in its own right and is the hub of the the greater Canberra region. You know, you've got over a million people living uh, around here and many of them come into Canberra for shopping, for seeing, you know, doctors, the hospital uh, and, and all the rest. 
The interesting thing that you said was about that everyone just thinks there's politicians there. I mean, that is true. I mean, you grow up in when you grow up in Australia in primary school, that's what you learn. Like Canberra is politician central, and now you are one. <laughs> How did that happen? How tell me? You you played for the Wallabies which I've already said that is like a thrill of my life, but you played for the Wallabies before becoming a senator. But, like, where where was that moment that you went, I want to be a senator, I want to, I guess, essentially fight for my country? Is that represent my country? I finished playing rugby at the start of COVID. I, I finished up with the Wallabies at the 2019 World Cup and then was in Japan playing for for a team there and then COVID hit and yeah, no one really knew what was happening. The season got canceled, came back to Canberra and decided that that was it. I'd had a great run in rugby. It had given me a huge amount. It was a childhood dream and I felt like I'd fulfilled that, but really wanted to move on to other things and had been involved in some community development, uh, conservation and agriculture work in Zimbabwe. And so I actually moved, went back there in 2021 with my youngest brother and we started a community conservation project there. And it was great. It was just so different. You know, it's really hard work over there, totally different, but really throwing ourselves into a project that I, I think is in- incredible and, and it's, it's sort of still going and, and really expanding. But over the course of the year over there, kept having people in Canberra contact me saying, listen, there's this community group that's been looking for an independent candidate to run for the Senate at the upcoming election next year. Your name keeps coming up. Are you interested? And initially, it was just like, nah, <laughs> that, is, that is not for me. Uh, yeah, I'd obviously been involved in a bunch of sort of campaigns over the years uh, around climate uh, and the environment had been outspoken about them, but was really happy to be cracking on with something else outside of rugby. As the year went on, I started thinking more about the opportunity and as an immigrant to Australia, this country has given me and my family, so many opportunities. It's given us so much. I, I love it here. It's it's definitely home. And I thought, well, this is an opportunity to potentially give back and to represent a community I love in Canberra on a whole bunch of issues that are important to us. And in the end, it just felt like a decision that I didn't want to look back on down the track and go, I wonder what could have happened. It was very unlikely. There'd never been an independent senator in the ACT. But I figured, well, it's it's worth a crack. And so, yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind. announced I was going to run in December, moved back here in January and just got stuck into campaigning. That is crazy. I love how you were like staunchly against it. And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. It took some serious convincing um, <laughs> and yeah, really agonized over the decision. But I'm so glad I did. It's been a wild ride. I've, I've learned so much, but it really is a, a privilege. Like, I'm so 
I'm so conscious as an, as an independent, I'm only responsible to people in the ACT, you know, also Jarvis Bay and Norfolk Island. But every time I vote, I'm voting on their behalf. And so really try and take that seriously. And, and I find it really, it's very freeing because once you sort of know what people want you to be doing, you don't have to toe any party lines. I can just go out there and, and push really hard. Mm. Before you became a politician yourself, did you have a view on politicians? One of the reasons I decided to to get involved was I'd been like so like so many Australians, so frustrated with politics. You see all these problems, it seems like there are solutions to them, and then we you just don't see that them get implemented. You see all this sort of these talking points and politicking and vested interests seem to, you know, win the day. And I figured, well, at some point you've got to put your money where your mouth is and see if, <laughs> see if you can do it any differently. And the thing I've realized in here is that there are so many genuinely good people uh, on all sides of politics in here working for their communities but at the end of the day uh, many of them are sort of constrained by their their parties when you're part of a party you know, your allegiance largely is to that party and if if your view or the people you represents views differs to the party then you you often have to choose the the party line and so that that really wasn't attractive to me, and it was it was only because there was this opportunity to run as an independent that I that I gave it any thought. Yeah, I I loved what you said about um, Australia being home, but you did grow up in in Zimbabwe, which is you know must have been such a cultural shock coming to Australia. What was that transition like for you? It was huge, <laughs> particularly, particularly the differences. You know, I moved here. Uh, in year nine and you know, in Zimbabwe, we were still getting caned at school <laughs> and arrived here and it was just such a different um, approach at school, so much more casual. I, I remember the first term, you know, there were a couple of teachers who students sort of could call him by a nickname and um, they seemed okay with that and it just blew my mind that, that you know someone in authority wasn't you know sir or ma'am and initially thought it was really disrespectful after a while realized like you know australians have a far more sort of casual uh, way of 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 doing things and it's just it's just different but it was a huge adjustment for uh, me and my family. I've got two younger younger brothers, and with everything that happened in Zimbabwe, we essentially just arrived here with with suitcases, with nothing. And so, watching my parents kind of starting again in life uh, was was yeah, pretty, I think really humbling for them, and I think really inspiring for me and my brothers, seeing just how much work they put in, and they essentially moved here, you know, for us for opportunity. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just so grateful that they that they made that sacrifice. 
What opportunity? Like that's crazy. The opportunities that you know you have had since moving here. It's it's mm. insane. It's so 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 wonderful. The other thing when I was doing my research that I absolutely was so shocked by and and this makes a lot of sense when you think about it but you had to renounce your Zimbabwe and your South African citizenship to become a senator did that have any meaning to you when that happened yes Australia has these really sort of strange rules where you can't not not only you, you can't be a citizen but you can't be eligible to be a citizen of another country to run for uh, federal parliament. And so I had to renounce my Zimbabwe citizenship and then had to, I didn't technically have a South African citizenship, but I had to essentially, essentially renounce that I didn't want to ever take it up. Um, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, yeah, of course. Yep, yep, yep. And so it was, you know, a bit of a administrative process. The Zimbabwe one was really a strange, it's a genuinely strange thing to do, to be honest, you know, going into the um, sort of home affairs building in, in Harare and renouncing citizenship of, you know, the, the place that you, you grew up. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really mixed, mixed emotions, but I guess I decided that this was something that I wanted to have a crack at and it's what, it's what needed to happen. So if you ever quit politics, can you then get them? Well, you can't get the South African one cause you basically said you'll never do it. So mm -hmm. can you get the Zimbabwe one back or no? You you literally this is your this is you. You're an Australian now. You are a pure Australian. <laughs> I'm not sure. No idea what the legal process would be there. So interesting. No, it's just interesting that you I mean, I I've got a half I've got a Spanish citizenship as well as an Australian one. And I just usually use it to say that I'm cool. Like I've got to like I wasn't born there or anything, but I'm my heritage is hugely Spanish. So to me, it's really, really important. So it's just really fascinating that you had to do that as part of the process. But I, I am really interested in your rugby career, as you know, I'm very interested in this. But in your rugby career, like when you got to Australia, how did that start for you? As a kid in Zimbabwe, I'd been obsessed with rugby. I just loved it. Every year I looked forward to the rugby season. It felt like it was just so much fun. I just genuinely loved playing it. I, you know, at home would be playing in the backyard with uh, my brothers. We put up this like sort of really makeshift um, goalpost set up. Would kick there, you know, kick through there, and just hope it didn't go into the sort of the big bushes by the chicken run because we knew there were a few snakes in there. <laughs> but so arriving in Australia. It was very much what I wanted to do. Like as a, as a kid, I wanted to play for the Springboks. That was the you know, that was the team that everyone looked looked up to. Zimbabwe we hadn't qualified for the Rugby World Cup for you know my uh, my lifetime as a as a kid, and so the Springboks were the team. And basically, as soon as we arrived in Australia, I was a Wallaby supporter. You know, this was this was our new. 
our new home and it was what I wanted to do. And so, yeah, through high school, trained hard and sort of put a lot of, lot of effort into trying to do that. And the timing was, was great for me. My, I finished high school in 2005 and in 2006, there was a new team in the super rugby competition in Perth and they obviously had to you know, build a whole new team. And there were two of us that went straight from school over there. And yeah, that was, that was sort of the, the start of it training with a professional rugby team and getting stuck into it, which it was, it was a really big, it's a huge step up, you know, when you're 17 and, and start training and playing alongside men, but it was a sort of dream come true. So I was, I was keen to do it. So what ages did you play professionally? 17 to uh, when did you finish? So 19, nine, so what? 2019. 32? So 32 yeah. <laughs> Look at you reaching the peak at 32 of rugby. That's insane. That was definitely long enough. <laughs> long enough on the knees, long enough on the calves. Uh, no, no, no. But do you ever look back at that time and just go, I can't, that it, it was such a whirlwind, like you can't comprehend that that was your life? A few years ago, I went back to the primary school I went to in Zimbabwe and went and did some coaching with, you know, the little like grade threes on the field where I first started playing rugby and it was it was incredible like just sort of thinking back to little seven or eight year old Dave like not in his wildest dreams um would uh you know I've gone to three world cups having grown up in in Gweru. so yeah it was it's it was it really it really was sort of a, a childhood dream come true and it you know took a a huge amount of work and dedication and like sacrifice from the people around me i think that's the that's one of the the things that you realize in professional sport is that individual achievement is such a myth <laughs> it takes so much sacrifice from the people around you to to get there you know, whether you know, that was my my family growing up and just what a pain in the ass I was being so obsessed with training and diet and and all the rest to them you know dropping me at all sorts of training sessions and paying for me to go to tournaments uh to then you know my my partner Emma and what she put up with with you know you're you're away sort of 20 20 plus weeks a year so it's um yeah, it's it's the people around you that really make it possible, and yeah, really grateful for for the role that they they played in it. Did you go to school in? I, I could be completely wrong. Did you go to school in Sydney or no? No, I, I finished high school in Brisbane and then moved to moved to Perth. Oh, in Brizzy. Where in Brizzy were you? I uh, didn't grade what end of nine, ten, eleven, twelve at Churchy. So I'm. I used to live in Cooparoo. Okay. For like nine months of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For nine months of my life, and then I was like, "This ain't for me," and I think I'm going to come back to Sydney. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I do have two more questions before I let you go because I know you're a very, very busy man. First one is, what's harder, facing the All Blacks or the Springboks as the captain of the Wallabies or standing up in the Senate? Two very different things. <laughs> one of one of the the great things about the last year has been seeing how applicable so many of the things you learn in sport are to you know working in a in a small team in the senate but after i after i retired in um, 2020 joking with um, my wife emma about the like literally thousands of hours i'd spent working on certain skills whether it was you know trying to steal the ball from the ruck or whatever that were now totally useless like i will likely never ever do that again um but then you realize so much of the the other things you learn about you know work ethic and having goals and being able to work in a small team and take feedback on board are just invaluable and 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 apply to the rest of life so that's been that's been really fun trying to take those those things into a totally different context, but you know, humans are the same, same everywhere, and, and trying to trying to use them to get you know, good outcomes in in the Senate and, and sort of work really hard for for people in the ACT. Actually, I do have another question. What what do you see your future in politics as? Do you have like a five year plan? I don't really know how it works. So in the Senate, the state senators get six-year terms. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's 12 of them from each state. The mm-hmm. territories get two senators on three-year terms. So I'll be up for re-election at the next election. I've, re- I've really enjoyed it so far and think we've been pushing hard on a bunch of issues that matter to people and have managed to get some really good outcomes, either making legislation a lot better or getting sort of using the leverage to get things amended in a way that addresses some of the, some of the issues that have been raised with with me by by people in the ACT if i can continue to do that and feel like i'm you know, serving people and getting good outcomes then we'll see but ultimately it's up to it's up to people if they don't if they don't like what i've been doing then I'll be out of here, but if they do, then yeah, we'll see. It's an amazing turn that your life has taken. Like, I remember when I got the email about who I could interview, and I saw your name, and I was like, "Yes, Wallabies!" And then I was like, "Oh, hang on, it's a senator." But I, and, but I must admit, I am very. I'm not a politics girl. I never have been, and I kind of often wish I am more involved and I wish I did know more about it because I think the last time I really learned anything about politics was in year six when we went to Questacon. I mean, we went to the Parliament House. So, uh-huh. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, it's, and it, it's interesting to me that, you know, you'd go from one to the other, but I think after speaking to you, I can completely understand the change. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a fascinating place in here. It's, it's, totally ridiculous and crazy at times <laughs> but i th- i think i think growing up in zimbabwe 
you, I saw just how important politics is to people's lives. It, it, it touches every part of our lives. Sometimes it's, it's easy to forget that. Um, totally. Here in Australia, but it really does matter. And we, we have such an incredible democracy, but democracy is fragile. And I think we all have a responsibility to work to, ensure that we maintain that and, and also make it better because I think mm. there's a whole there's a whole range of issues that we're facing that aren't being addressed because we've seen a few sort of industries or vested interests really figure out the political system and so decisions are being made that aren't good for people but are maybe good for, for donors or, or or other other interests and yeah, we can we can certainly change that, and it's it's been a lot of fun working with the other independents and minor parties to really push the 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 two big parties on on all of these things that really matter to Australians, and I think will help us all have a better future. Do you have any advice for your younger self, that teenager kind of stepping into Australia? What advice would you give that teenager knowing what you know now? It's such a hard one because you, you, you know, how much of the, the sort of way I was led to everything that happened. Um, you wouldn't, yeah, there's, there's always those hard learnings when you're at, at um, hard lessons that you learn as a, as a teenager. I mean, the one thing would maybe just to be a bit kinder to myself. Um, so, I think like a lot of um, people who are driven and want to do things well, very hard on myself, and maybe didn't uh, love myself as much as I could or should have. But I think that's a that's a journey that a lot of us are on. That is quite an amazing thing to admit, though, because a lot of a lot of people they have those journeys, but they don't admit that they that's the core issue. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're all we're all human, and I think the longer you go, the more more you realise that no one really knows what they're doing. We're all sort of <laughs> figuring it out as we go along, <laughs> and. That's the great thing about it, being able to talk about it. And you know, I think the, the things that we often struggle with by ourselves and convince ourselves that no one else would know how we're feeling are the things that we all struggle with. And it's really for men, it's being able to try and break down that mentality of just sort of being being a strong man and, and not not talking about it. Um, when you actually start talking to your mates, they're like, oh, yeah, I, was, I also struggle with that and this is what helped me or, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's something I think we we uh, need to keep working on and get better at. Oh, well, this has been so lovely. I do have one final question and I'll be in so much trouble if I don't ask it. Sure. What do you think of the new lineup for the World Cup? I think it's a really bold selection from... Eddie Jones, he's clearly got a got a plan. He's he's building a young squad that he really believes in. You know, you've you've got a feel for guys like um, Michael Hooper and 
and Quade Cooper. But you know the way that the World Cups go, if there are any energy, uh, any injuries. But everything I've heard out of the camp, guys are working incredibly hard and really, really loving it. So I've enjoyed watching them. I know they've 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 copped a fair bit of criticism, but I would urge people to to keep supporting, keep keep cheering them on, and I'm I'm really excited about the the future of Australian rugby. No, oh, I love that. I was gonna wear my I was gonna wear my little rugby shirt today, and I was like, no, nah, I need it inappropriate, but I really wanted to. There was there there was a part of me that really wanted to. <laughs> well, thank you so so much for chatting to me. No problem. Thanks, Anita. Yeah, really good to chat. Thanks for calling the Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle. You can find us on Instagram at the Entertainment underscore Hotline Pod, or visit us at chatter.com.au. The Entertainment Hotline with Anita Annabelle is a proud Chatter podcast.